Whether you're a 16-year-old girl, a 39-year-old executive, or a 62-year-old divorcee who's fighting with the bottle, this question is probably your most persistent one. What is the meaning of life? G'day, it's Peter, and welcome to Office Anywhere, a podcast about working and living on your terms, whether that's cutting coat on the deck of a Balinese villa, crafting ad copy from a cafe in Portland, Oregon, or building websites from a home office in Melbourne, Australia. If you've had enough of the daily commute and the limitations that working in an office imposes, or you're already working remotely, but you want to explore some of the doors that it opens for you, then this is the podcast for you. To learn more about Office Anywhere, just go to officeanywhere.co. Like me, you've no doubt asked it at different low points in your life, but your subconscious is actually asking it every hour of every day. With each decision, each interaction, every little fork in the road, it's looking for its purpose, a point to it all, some kind of meaning. But our brain hasn't always behaved this way. Early man didn't question his life the way we do, certainly not to the extent that we do. His life's purpose was purpose was pretty obvious. It was nourish the body, procreate, and stay upwind of the animals with the sharp teeth. The quest for life's meaning, and religion notwithstanding, is pretty much a modern one. The Industrial Revolution and the consumerism that came out of that lit the fire, and the internet and social media fanned it to a point where we now have healthy people in prosperous nations suffering record levels of anxiety and depression. Now, I've just turned 51 not long ago, and I've crammed quite a bit into the first half of this adventure. If someone made a movie about my life, the trailer might include things like this. Uh, Starting a business before I reach puberty. Being bullied in senior school. Wetting the bed until I was 12. Getting dragged into and then pulled back out of the Jehovah's Witnesses. Spending countless days down the beach and up in the mountains. An obsession with drums, then motorbikes and then later cars. Uh, Flying through the desert on the outside of a helicopter 10 feet off the deck tearing down the road at 300 k's an hour with my hair on fire. (laughs) Not literally, metaphorically. Uh, Selling stuff I don't believe in, then selling stuff that I do. Wanting to be the decent guy, but getting crushed by girls over and over again. Uh, Chasing money in jobs and in business. Being cheated on multiple times. Losing everything, and then gaining everything. An epiphany, or three. And reinvention, and then peace. Like all of us, I see everything through a unique set of filters. That little hit list that I just went through is a small sample of events that shaped mine. And all of my experiences over the last five decades affect the way I show up in the world, including the things I value, uh, the beliefs that I hold, and the things, the events, and the people that attract or repel me. So with all those caveats covered, These are the nine tenets that best describe, for me, the real meaning of life. And number one on the list is freedom and autonomy are worth more than status or position. Eventually, you realize your life will end soon and that you're spending way too much of it away from your family. People weren't designed to live this way. It's an invention of the Industrial Revolution, itself just a tiny fraction of our history. But technology is smashing paradigms every day, as men and women reclaim their independence and escape cubicle nation. If you value time more than money, then I'd recommend start making freedom a priority, and you'll soon find that you have more of it. Number two on my list is, there's more joy in doing than in having. 
consumerism is rampant in Western culture, there's no doubt, and now it's bleeding into developing nations too. But when we're dying, we don't mourn the loss of our big screen TV or our Gucci bag or our you know fancy shoes. No one does. Instead, we want to hold our kids once more or walk on a beach again. We want to feel the dawn light in our face or laugh over a glass of wine at a family barbecue. Chasing stuff, material stuff, is a recipe for endless dissatisfaction, and keeping up with the Joneses is an unwinnable game. Instead of chasing Me Too possessions, take a road trip with your family, solve a problem for someone, or start a project that you care about. Number three is you are exactly where you're supposed to be. Like it or not, every decision you've made or not made, has landed you right here in this moment, with me in your ears. Whether it's in the shit or on the mountaintop, you couldn't possibly be anywhere else. So embrace it, roll with it, make adjustments if you have to, but don't bitch about it. There will always be aspects of your life you can't control, like where you're born, who your parents were, a hereditary illness maybe. But it doesn't change this fact one little bit. No one cares about your problems. For a start, most of them aren't real problems anyway. But they don't care because they have their own ones to worry about. Embrace the present, then use it to inform your next step. I never planned to be a single dad to my two little angels, but that's exactly what happened. I later remarried, and I had another child, Tommy, who's now eight. But my love for these two girls is stronger than it's ever been. Despite all the earlier relationship turmoil with their mum, my girls remain two of the best things that ever happened to my life. Okay, number four is don't undersell your most finite and valuable resource. Guard your time like a lioness guards her litter. It's the one thing that you can't manufacture. People will try to steal it if you let them. But they're not just robbing from you, they're stealing from your kids and from your partner too. Control your time. Become a master of it. Always ask yourself, is this the most useful thing that I could be doing right now? Where I, I've been building websites for about Oh, how long has it been now? 96, uh, God, you know, over 20 years. And, you know, when you become known for something, there are always people who want a bit of a favor, who want something done a bit on the cheap, or who just want to, rec- you know, pick your brain. They see it as a, as a compliment that they want to pick your brain to help them solve a problem. And it's only in the last couple of years that I've really started to think, every time I do this kind of thing, for somebody who I know is not in... um doesn't tend to reciprocate. They just like to ask, you know, they like to be friendly when they need something. I've started to realize that every time they do that, they're stealing from my kids. Because the question is, would I rather help you with your trivial question? Or would I rather spend an extra half an hour with my son mucking around, you know, doing a jigsaw puzzle or kicking the ball out in the backyard? And the reality is I'd rather be hanging around with him, you know, because that pays me in a way that you know, you, the person asking me this favor, the person picking my brain, you know, trying to uh, flatter me with um, with your interest, it, it pays me far more than what you could ever pay me. So, you know, um, I guess it's kind of a difficult paradox because, um, you know, on the flip side, 
it's important to be generous with your time, you know, for those who benefit most as well. And sometimes those people are strangers, but more often than not, I'm talking about your kids, your partner, you know, your parents, the people who truly need you. But, you know, there have been instances where um, I've given um, very generously of my time and my knowledge and, you know, physical work for people who I really believe will leverage that to improve themselves and go further and then to help others as well, you know. And so then it really is worth it. Anyway, two of the best things that I ever did to regain control was to work from home, which obviously I'm a huge advocate for, otherwise I wouldn't have built this website and started this podcast. Um, And the other one, um, the other thing that I did which really helped me regain control was to check my email just three times a day. Now, that sounds kind of innocuous, something so specific, um, but it really is one of the great disruptors to um, creativity and productivity out there is this notion that people should always be reachable, that they should have something binging in them and tapping them on the shoulder every five seconds saying, hey, look over here, look over here. And I'm dead against it. Um, There are a lot of others, but seriously, those two, working from home and checking email only three times a day at the same time each day, the same three times each day, those two things changed my life. Okay, we're on to number five on the list. Number five is you become the average of the people you associate with. Now, we hear this all the time. But the one thing that I was telling my kids uh, as I was growing up, and I continue to remind them, is never let your friends choose you. You must be the chooser. If you want to be more empathetic, more productive, more positive, more giving, surround yourself with people who hold those same values. Don't gratify your weakness with the weak. Lift yourself up with good people and make sure you do the same in return. The effect compounds over time. I heard uh, or I saw a short video the other day. I don't remember who it was, but he said something to the effect of, and I think it was quite an old video, something to the effect of, if you're the smartest one in the class, you're in the wrong class. If you're you know, the smartest one in the room, then you're in the wrong room. You know, you need to surround yourself with people who elevate you, people who are above you. Um, now, That's not to say that um, we shouldn't also spend time with people who are coming up behind us, you know, who can benefit from our experience and our wisdom. There's no doubt about that. Um, But that is a very deliberate thing. It's not uh, an unconscious decision to just hang around with and socialize with um, a specific group of people. A lot of us just accumulate friends and associates over the years through circumstance rather than deliberate choice. So what I'm saying here is to be very deliberate about who you choose to spend your time with. Um, And if mentors are hard to find, well, then get yourself some virtual ones. I've drawn from the wisdom of great thinkers through books and videos and courses literally for decades. And I wouldn't be the person I am if it weren't for people like, you know, uh, Stephen Pressfield, James Allen, Viktor Frankl, uh, David Schwartz, Thomas Stanley, Chris Gillibo, James Altucher and Seth Godin. They have each informed important decisions in my life and they've framed the way I view the world and how I fit in it. And there are plenty of others too, but uh, I'm sort of using the blog post that I wrote that goes along with this episode as a cue and they're the ones that I made note of when I wrote the, um, when I wrote the post. Uh, number six on my list here is that money is neither good nor bad. Money is neutral. Money buys baby food and it buys weapons. It buys clean water and heroin. Money is just a bill of exchange and really nothing more than that. How you use it is entirely up to you, but most people are a slave to it instead of its master. They spend weeks learning about the car of their dreams, but almost no time learning how to multiply their money, which is kind of dumb, really, because once you figure out how to do one, well, then the other thing comes a whole lot easier. Earning more is less important than what you do with it, because if you screw up what you do with it, then no amount of money you earn 
is going to get you out of the hole, is going to um, free you. The law of compounding and the patience to make it work allows ordinary wage earners to become multimillionaires. Kill your old paradigms, get over your money hang-ups, and learn how it really works. When you have more money, well, then you could do more good with it. As you work towards financial independence, you'll also reduce stress, you'll gain confidence, and you'll become a better person along the way. You might even learn how little money it takes to be happy and secure. My dad, for example, he lives on about 20 grand a year, and he's supremely happy. He travels all the time. Yes, he's got no mortgage, he's got no debts, but you know he's been like that for decades and decades, um, because that is also the principles that he used um, to accumulate assets over the years so that he wouldn't have debts over those assets. Um, so learning how money works is extremely important. And remember, it's neither good nor bad. Uh, what you do with it is really what matters. Number seven is to give, give, and give. There's plenty of scientific and anecdotal evidence to prove that givers are generally happier than takers. When you learn to give without expectation of reward, then your happiness is almost assured. Give your knowledge, your time, and your money, and before long, opportunities will chase you like a puppy dog. And while we're on the subject of giving, make time to engage fully with your family, especially your kids. They'll value your undivided attention more than the latest iPhone. I promise you that. In fact, just the last weekend, um, me and my two teenage daughters, one of them is 18, one's 16, um, we sat down also with my son, who's eight, and worked on a jigsaw puzzle together for hours and hours on the weekend. And it was just so much fun, you know, no phones, no internet, you know, no distractions, no TV. We never have TV on in our house. In fact, we haven't had a TV connected since July the 1st, 2007. (laughs) So that's a really, really long time. I mean, we've got a home cinema. I'm sitting in our home cinema right now. Um, so we've got, you know, access to Apple TV for documentaries and movies and, you know, the Grand Tour and stuff like that. But we do not watch any television programs um, other than the Grand Tour, but that's not a really a regular thing. Um, we just watch something deliberately. We, we come in here, we sit down, we turn the lights out, and we'll sit down and we'll watch a movie together. And usually only Friday nights and Saturday nights. Anyway, I'm going off course here. Um, thing is, you know, give of your time, uh, give of your money and your knowledge, um, but be very, you know, deliberate about where you direct those things. And if in doubt, always default to family first. Okay, number eight on the list here is you've made your life too complicated. I think we all have. Um, We're ruled by distractions that deny us more than they give us. Remove all the crap from your life, the possessions, the behaviors, the people and practices that muddy the waters and keep you from being present. Become intentional about everything as best you can. Learn to sit quietly with yourself. Meditate if you can. Read. Move about. Breathe. Unlearn old habits, let go of your attachments and stop identifying yourself with things. You are not your social following or your house or your clothes or your car. The most beautiful things are often the simplest. So simplify your life until only the best bits remain. Then tell me it isn't better. And last on our list, number nine here is, well, there is no meaning of life except what you give it. People are so hung up on the meaning of life, they craft platitudes, opinions, and beliefs in a desperate attempt to define the indefinable, like someone's going to test them later. And then they put it in a picture with some text over it, and they post it on Instagram. Well, here's a tip for you. You don't need to define any of it. 
My life and your life are each one in 400 trillion gifts. So attempting to analyze them is pointless. You're a very lucky fluke and that's it. Enjoy your gift as you would any other gift. Don't pick at it. Don't try to figure out why it's here or where it came from or what its plan is for you. There isn't one. Just enjoy it while you have it because before long, it'll be gone. Revel in the magic of your brief time on this planet and all its incredible splendor. Don't ever forget how lucky you are just to participate in this complex and wondrous experience. Slow down and look around. See it, smell it and hear it. You could have been a tree or a centipede or bacteria, but you're not. You're human. Pretend all of this was created just for you because in a way it was. If you weren't here to see it, it would be as though it didn't exist. And no one will ever experience it the way you do. So live while you're alive. And just a final word on letting go. Just think about this for a sec. How weighed down are you by this unspoken burden to uncover or define the meaning of life? How would you feel if you abandoned this pursuit and just started living with your eyes open? What if you made a deliberate choice to stop complicating things? What if, like the pursuit of happiness, you realize there is no end game? There is no destination. What if you had the wisdom to acknowledge once and for all that there is only the dance? If you did, you'd know that your job, your real job, is just to dance while the music is playing. Anyway, that's enough deep philosophy from me for this week. I've got a nice glass of red wine here. It's sat untouched. Mm. Not untouched anymore. Mm, that's good. Actually, it was good that I left it because now it's room temperature. Um, anyway, thanks a lot for hanging out with me again on the Office Anywhere podcast. Um, I look forward to speaking to you again in about a week's time. And until then, here's to working and living on your terms. I'll catch you then. See ya. <laughs>